You're listening to Behind the Headlines, a weekly news talk show hosted by the Express News Group, publishers of the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27East.com, and Express Magazine, and featuring distinguished journalists from the East End to discuss what's news on the North and South Forks of Long Island. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. My co-host today is Annette Hinkle. She's the arts and living editor of the Express News Group. Good morning, Annette. Morning, Bill. How are you? Good. And our panelists this week are Denise Civiletti, editor of Riverhead Local. Good morning, Denise. Good morning. Chris Gangemi, staff writer for the East Hampton Star. Good morning, Chris. Hey there. And Gianna Volpe, host of the Heart of the East End right here on WLIWFM. Good morning, Gianna. Good morning. So let's start with, um, I, I think the big story this week was um, uh, anti-Semitic vandalism in, in Montauk, um, person or persons un, unknown, um, uh, spray-painted uh, swastika and, and anti-Semitic um, um, statements and sayings um, at a bunch of places in, in Montauk, one, one business, naturally good, a health food market. Um, on on Main Street, and then um, um, at the at the beach on a couple different um, food food trucks and the um, and the uh, the town restroom stuff there. Um, really hate to 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 see that stuff. And I mean, we you know we woke up and heard about it, and it's just like um, oh my god. And you know, following all this stuff that's going on in Israel, and I'm sure that's what prompted it. There was some kind of um misspelled pro-palestine uh statement and, and some of the uh the the spray painting um i i think the the you know the positive out of the out of the negative you know chris was though the um um the rally that that they held the community got together and and held held a rally um monday evening um hundreds of people came out to to support um not not just the business owners but um um just a just i guess a, a show of 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 love that that um that that's not going to be tolerated in montauk yeah i mean it's uh always something when you can very quickly get a couple hundred people together physically in support of of something as opposed to say just you know uh throwing likes up on uh, uh on a social media post i mean people got out of their houses and and showed up in the square yeah and um and and some volunteers came out other business owners um to help the the folks at um that naturally good to to clean up the the spray paint i guess on a on a fence and um on picnic tables and we had some photos of them kind of power washing the fence and and scrubbing the tables and um so i and that it's just good to see the community come together like that right mm -hmm. yeah and, and and again this uh sunday there's that uh herrick park uh rally scheduled in east hampton and apparently that'll have uh, a lot of political involvement i think uh representative lalota is supposed to be there and um you know it's going to be more of uh uh the clergy speaking right um and uh but it's it's definitely like you said it's the, the positive of the negative yeah 
Um, and then at the, at the at the at the same time in in Sag Harbor um, on oh I was on Sunday afternoon um, there were I guess a couple dozen anti-war protesters that gathered in in Long Wharf um, calling for a, a ceasefire in in Gaza um, it, it, you know and we talked a little bit about about the war um, last week I mean it's just horrific stuff going on over there but i i mean so I, I, I don't know where to land on the whole you know calling for a ceasefire thing what do you what do you, what do you think gianna i mean it's well i i mean i don't know how i feel about it but i do know that there are diverging viewpoints about it i know that you know the sag harbor group is calling for a ceasefire but uh i don't know if if everyone feels that way yeah. uh, some people feel like you know, it's Israel's right to protect itself um, from attacks. Uh, all I can see is that there's just massive loss of life, uh, no matter where you look, uh, of all ages. And it's just so sad. It's it's a moment where uh, I am, it's impossible for me not to feel incredibly grateful that I don't have to face every day uh, some of the stuff. I, I, I spoke to a friend who's, whose family lives overseas that are, you know, living in, in bomb shelters. Yeah. And it's just a, it's a, it's a really, it's a really sad thing. And then when you think about our young people and people of all ages that are um also experiencing hate and and being afraid um desperately afraid and you see something like this you wonder you know is it kids and and misguided and i just think you know i hope that uh, when and if this person is found that they're given the attention to to educate and um you know explain what writing these types of things the real world effect that it has on yeah. on people's um psyche and and uh, I'm, I'm surprised there's like no cameras like in that area you would think right. they're looking at that because it seems like there's cameras everywhere now um right and um i just wondering if they're looking into that at all that's a good good point um i think east hampton village is really beefing up their camera um you know in their public buildings, at least, I, I think a lot of private businesses generally have them. I'm yeah. I'm not sure if Naturally Good did. Does anybody know? I don't know. I was that I, was I didn't hear anything. Also, I, I wonder, you know, or even just adjacent storefronts that might right. have cameras pointed that way. And um, and I think that the 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 graffiti on the food trucks was up by Ditch Plains, and you would think that there's definitely some cameras up there just because of the whole surfing scene you know mike Wright had mentioned in his story that the um the town has plans to install cameras there but hasn't done so yeah. yet i imagine that'll that'll get put back on the on the front burner yeah um in, in no short order um I, and gianna you i mean you mentioned the um just the you know the effect this is having on young people and i know that we um you just had we, that on, on your in your issue this week right well, we, we had a story um, in, in West Hampton Beach at the, at the Beach Bakery, um, Rabbi Mark Schneier, um, who's an old friend of mine when I was used to cover 
West Hampton Beach and um, and a New York City IMOM um, got together and brought in students from colleges and universities in New York that have been facing um, um, aggression, um, you know, from from pro pro Palestine people, I, I guess. Um, you know, and, and noting that anti-Semitic attacks and threats have risen sharply um, since since the uh, you know since the the war began and the bombing and all that. And, and the point of this was was to kind of bring together the the two communities, um, let let these students express their their frustrations and and their feelings. But you know, the overall message from um, from Rabbi Schneier and from the imam was was that um you know they've been working together on a, on, on a peace project for for a couple decades and um you know and the overall message was that you know that we can disagree but we can we can love each other and work together and, and be together and I thought that that um was uh, was an interesting take on on everything that's going on um right now with the war they're they're going to do a, a a second um a second meeting planned uh, i guess for um for for next week where they'll bring in muslim students um and do the same kind of um same kind of thing um it'd be interesting i think if they kind of brought the two groups of students together and and let them face each other and talk to each other and maybe that uh, maybe that's in the works too just a, a real real strange times I, I guess that um... I mean, let's be honest, like the other problem is we have a an undercurrent of white supremacy here that really doesn't have anything to do directly with the Palestinian and Israeli situation. And I think there's a lot of people waiting in the wings to come out um, with a lot of anti-Semitic and anti-Muslim sentiment that's very much homegrown, which I think is a whole other weird undercurrent that we're going to that we're going to start seeing. I, I think you're probably right. And I think the, you know, the war just kind of drew some people out and gives them an opportunity to mm-hmm. spew their hate, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. So. Excellent point. And excellent point. And that's, you know, it's there, it's in the community. Um, you know, we've seen it here in Riverhead. We've seen, um, you know, anti-Semitic and racist um, graffiti in places and um you know a few years ago there was that weird um distribution of handbills i guess so to speak flyers over in the calverton area uh that said it's okay to be white and you know join us here like you know it's out there and these things um i think are you know many ways an expression of that undercurrent that you that you you know noted and it's like um, sewn into like the history of the region as well so yeah. and and the east end as far as like the history of, of the clan and whatnot yeah yeah there was a big group i think it was was it upton where they had you know back back before the war during the war where they had you know big big rallies you wouldn't think that was here up in yapink it was uh was it yapink? yeah it was yapink the, bu- the bund um yeah they have yep. their own camp, and you know, and and I think not, you know, not not to point fingers, but I think, uh, you know, 
pre previous uh, previous political administrations in this country kind of fed that a little too and and brought a lot of people out of the woodwork and it was hey, more what are you what, what are you talking about but it was more than a little <laughs> you, know, you, know, you have to you have to like it, there was a stark contrast between the way people behaved and communicated before mm -hmm. Trump administration versus during and and now the after shock and the after effects of it stark difference uh, racism violence uh, calling for violence against all kinds including uh, journalists mm -hmm. yeah. i was never more fearful as a journalist than i was during the trump administration and i'm not a, a very like i uh, as a journalist i don't i don't uh like to pick sides and and i keep my feelings out of out of my work um but i will be honest that i definitely felt fear at some time and i remember i remember during the election uh thinking about how old i would be if he were reelected and feeling physically tired and old at imagining another 4 years of fear like that yeah you know, being yeah, called the enemy of the people, and this is this is how, what we did to you know. Well, the other thing is like it seems like social media has morphed into the whole anonymous posting thing, which has not right. helped either. You know, it's like I was I saw a I saw a show about it was very interesting about people like judges and um, elected officials getting death threats, and somebody pointed out that most of the time those are just you know, people spouting off and that they're not nine out of 10 times, they won't come at you. But of course, there's that one time that they might. But I feel like this whole anonymous, this way that people can post anonymously has really upped the rhetoric. And, um, and the, you know, the, the, uh, the fact that the dark web exists and that there's communities that gather uh, when folks get together and they're like egg each other on, that's when it starts getting dangerous. Like the incel community, like in the old days, if you were an incel, you would have been, you know, basically drummed out of town or out of, you know, out of social um, hierarchy. But now you just find your people online. It's really strange. I, to bring it back to Montauk, which is why, you know, Bill, like you led with that that rally, I, I think that this is it's a good thing in a way to get the people together in person mm -hmm. in a way. And when you think about, <clears throat> you know, the competing rallies, uh, you know, you have the Sag Harbor, you know, ceasefire rally. And then the, the East Hampton one is a little more pro Israel, perhaps. Um, it's a cycle of violence and that is continuing here, unfortunately. And you wish that there was some alternate reality where, you know, this terrible thing happens in Israel. Is there a way to use it, you know, um, to appeal to people's humanity? Um, right. Palestinians have families, and I'm sure they're completely horrified by the killing that happened in Israel from Hamas. You know, is there a way to bridge that gap? And 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 create a, a moment of humanity instead of this you know now we're just gonna you know go and bomb uh hamas uh because you know what i mean i understand you have to have a response but where does it end 
because you're just kind of there's creation of of a future violence here you know yeah you're just getting more more followers on both sides you know can can you name one example when a response like that you know uh, there's a horrific act of terrorism or war of some kind and then the response of a much stronger military force you know obliterating everything like when has that ever worked right really? mm -hmm. Yeah, all it does yeah. I, I was reading it. reading something this morning, and you know, and it talked about you know it, it was a social media post, but you know, after after nine eleven, um, you know, everybody was was rah rah rah. There has to be a response. We've lost thousands of lives, and you know, and what the and 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 maybe rightly so because it was so horrific nine eleven. And I'm not certainly not not trying to underplay that, but. It turned into 20 years of war in right. Iraq and I Afghanistan and how many thousands of people, millions yeah. of people were, were, you know, lost their lives because of because of that war, those wars. It, it just, and, and Iraq that had nothing to do with 9-11, you know, right. invading countries right. that really weren't involved. Because it becomes political. And then they and then there has to be this pol a political response. And uh, that's. You know, it's so weird when the political response is so skewed from what the actual reality is. I remember being like in high school, you know, sleeping in social studies class or whatever, and they and I and they're like, "Well, the you know the war," and I woke up and I said, "War? We're at war? Congress declared war?" And they're like, "Gianna, the war on terror." Yeah. And I'm like, "What does that mean?" I don't understand. And then they were like, "Well, 9/11, you know, we're going after Iraq," and I was like. Wasn't that Afghanistan? I'm like, I'm a kid. Yeah. <laughs> like, and and I'm not, and I'm like, what? What is everyone talking about? And then it was this whole like, you were only a patriot if you had uh, a flag on your car, and then you needed like two flags, and then you had to, and there was all of this just fear and anger, and and again, racism, just. Yeah. Mm -hmm everywhere yeah sorry sorry guys <laughs> no uh, absolutely. you know you've got a when 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 a country is attacked like that and whether it's terrorism or or you know another nation or whatever you've got to i guess show some strength and and make sure that it doesn't happen again but but again you know chris's chris's question where where does that end you know and then we're and then people confuse nations with with extremist sects of people yeah oh like it well it's, it's, it's such a disservice to palestinian people to um reduce them to hamas right. and well, you know and that and that's that's the thing i mean it would be like if 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 ever if if everybody in america was reduced to our most extreme exactly. political exactly. position and you know it's uh that reduces the ability to have a real conversation and debate about the issues that are affecting the regular people who unfortunately are being used as shields and you know and dying and yeah. how you know what do, what do you how do you handle this i don't know that's a, obviously we're not going to figure it out no. no no but we can we can certainly highlight it you're listening to Behind the Headlines on WLIWFM. I'm Bill Sutton from the Express News Group, joined by my co-host Annette Hinkle. 
from the Express News Group. Our panelists this week are Christopher Canjemi, uh, staff writer for the East Hampton Star, Denise Civiletti, editor of Riverhead Local, and Gianna Volpe, host of the Heart of the East End right here on WLIW-FM. Denise, are you ready for the election? Are you ready for the election to be over? Uh, you know, you're talking about feeling tired, Gianna. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> uh, I am so ready for the election to be over. The one thing that disturbs me, actually, is that in the past years ago, when I did most of everything for our website, um, I had the power and control of being able to take down political ads. <laughs> at 901 <laughs> i can't do that anymore i don't even know how to access the ad <laughs> server <laughs> but i i already put out a call to that to that person to make sure that happens oh i'm so tired of it i just I, i've got so many flyers in in my mailbox in 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 riverhead over the last um couple months it's just um incredible the amount of of money that's wasted on on yeah it's funny because, you know, we have uh, pretty much one of everything in our household, Republican, Democrat and blank. I'm a blank. And um, we, so we get different, you know, political junk mail every election season they're, because they're targeted to the party registration of the recipient um, or targeted by that, I guess I should say. Uh, yeah. But I mean, you know, that's what like normal people have to deal with during election right. election season like the those of us in this unfortunate group of miss what you used to call those people the misfits Janana knows what i'm talking about but um you know the stuff that we like you know the letters and then you know the assertions that are made that you have to you have to try to fact check the the letters and the ads and the statements that are made in interviews and in public forums. And you got to figure out how to do that without like arguing with people um, because, you know, that's not your role, really. Right. I mean, but they say the darndest things <laughs> um, and and you got to you know, you can't just amplify like the falsehoods that get put out there. Um, it's it's a tough time it really it's very draining and aggravating and uh you can't but at the last like week of this i know we're all in the same boat you can't wait for it to be over um so, Bill, i'm curious have we ever been called out for like what was in political ads and um i i, I think in um in southampton village elections yeah i mean a, a couple of years ago there was one one person or group um that were kind of anonymous but they were um um there were a couple of very um extreme political ads that in included um drawings that were poor depictions and 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 i think we, you know we stopped running those ads after a while I um, guess we have I, the new york press association we could run those by them i think they have lawyers on staff I, I, they they do and, and we have you have to be really careful about that i mean there there is a, a liability um right. to denise's point i think more of the outcry just comes from from candidates themselves and you know yeah. i remember it hasn't happened in a while but i was a reporter and we were writing profiles of the different candidates and i remember um you know one candidate calling 
and they had actually counted the quotes in in each article and and said you gave you gave my opponent you know two oh, more quotes than I got and you know you're favoring the opponent and and it was just I mean it's just people get crazy um, wow. over that stuff and I think Annette and I are tired too we we did endorsement interviews over the last couple of weeks and it was like it felt like every day all day and um I, I think it's important for you know for us to endorse candidates, but I, I think that um, you know it, it gets a it gets a little weird too. I mean, our endorsements came out in, in Thursday's paper, and and you're already hearing some sour grapes from from people, and you know, and we don't know any. I guess you know we're we're a little more in, informed because we're interviewing people, and we're you know when we're watching. The election, you know, Joe Shaw always says we're not telling you how to vote. We're just telling you, you know, our impression. But, you know, in, in essence, we're, you know, we're kind of telling you, you how to vote. And and I think that there's always some backlash from that. I think it's an important function. But again, it's just tiring. Yeah. Well, and I mean, have you gotten threatened with your, you're not going to have access to, you know, talking to me anymore because you portrayed me in an unfavorable light in a story um, or an editorial. I mean, that's happened to us, um, okay. some, you know, a lot. Some, somebody came kind of close Thursday. They were unhappy with um, right. with their their profile, and it, and it was I thought a very good profile. And our our reporter, um, you know, Tom, uh, you know, Tom wrote I think twenty one profiles. Right. Over you know over the past couple of weeks and you know and did a, a solid job with with all of them. He's he's got uh, he, the machine. He's got today off, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, uh, on 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 the house on the press, but uh, it's a lot of work. And you I know, was told I, a couple of weeks ago. I think I mentioned this before we went on the air, um, but by a candidate that if that person is elected. Um, they were so angry about a very what I thought was actually kind of dry headline um, that um, they blamed the reporter. It mis you know misplaced blame, but mis right. they blamed the reporter for the headline and told me that they were never going to talk to him again. Uh, that I could interview them, but not him because he's untrustworthy. And for that, you know, really got my back up first of all because he's anything but. Right. Um, Alec is very careful, fastidious, and anything but sensational in any of his writing. <laughs> uh, and it was not a sensational headline at all, but that was, you know, a threat. And I thought, well, mm. you know, gee, that's great. Um, my, first my of all, my, like, my response to that is then then we won't cover you anymore. I mean, if, well, I'm like, well, you then you're going to have you like, don't get you, to you dictate who the reporter you is. To answer a, a phone call requesting comment, or you refuse comment. I'm not. You're not going to dictate which of who's going to interview you. Like, yeah. uh, you know, um, but you know, we've been um, faced with multiple and some very nasty threats by the incumbent Riverhead supervisor over the last four years. And, um, you know, things that I've never written about or, you know, really spoken about publicly, except in like a reference like that right here. But, you know, inappropriate stuff and just like 
you know, you got to just kind of swallow it, I guess. Like you don't yeah. want to be in the news and you're, you know, but right. it's, it's a very unpleasant um, thing. And, um, you know, and that isn't even during campaign season. That was just in general. Um, I felt for you and just knowing like so. how you, you, you work so hard and the Riverhead community is so lucky. We all we all work really hard and yeah all no I know cover all have really I thin I, skin I'm, in the I'm I'm only I'm only saying just you. in in just in the uh, you know in the view of, of what you're talking about and do, I and do I, we think that the I national just, po- political scene has trickled down and that we're yeah. seeing bad behavior at the local level yeah. we we were that we, way. We we were talking about you know social media early earlier and the anonymity of that and I and I think that um, um, you, you see a lot of a, a lot of that and that started maybe with with the nat- national political trends but um, people just have no no filter um, mm-hmm. at all and just the the anger and the vile. Uh, I mean, you see on social media, somebody will attack somebody for asking an innocent question. Yeah. Right. It's this really bizarre, you know, how could you not know that? Or what are you, an idiot? It's like, just, you know what, just move on. Yeah. <laughs> that has happened to us in interviews. Why do you ask so many questions? Uh, <laughs> that's our job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. A lot of Why do you think you should get a public taxpayer salary without answering questions? <laughs> well, so so election day is is Tuesday early. Oh voting. yeah, oh yeah. I wanted to just you know vote. However you vote, please vote. Um, vote four one one dot org uh, to find out where your polling place is. If you don't know where it is, ahead of the seventh, uh, there is no early voting on Monday. So this weekend is your last chance to sort of vote wherever you like it at any one of the 27 polling places throughout the county. Um, it looks like uh, Saturday and Sunday polls are open from 10 a.m. Uh, to 6 p.m. Uh, the site in Southwold Town has changed. It used to be in Mattatuck. I voted there twice. Now it's uh, 970 Peconic Lane in Peconic, the town recreation center. Uh, in Riverhead, uh, now it's at the American Legion Post, uh, 273 on Hubbard Avenue. It used to be, uh, what was it, the Senior Center? At yeah, Shantry. it was at the Senior Center before. Uh, yeah, and now there's also uh, St. Mark's Episcopal Church in West Hampton Beach, 40 Main Street. You can also go there. Um, it and looks Stony, like the, and Stony Brook, Southampton. That's, yeah, yeah, that's that's still there, 39 Tuckahoe Road. They've, at you know, Stony Brook University, Southampton. They really expanded the number of polling places yeah. for their. And then I think at East Hampton, it's great. the isn't the um is it the windmill um, windmill the village. village yeah windmill yeah. village. Yes. So, so you should point out that on election day, it's your regular polling place. Right. Yes. Yeah. And so if you don't, if you don't know where where that is, you can find that at the state board of elections website. And also, what did you just vote, say? Four one one. Yeah, vote four one one dot org, and and not to leave out Shelter Island. That's at the uh, one Bateman Road, the Shelter Island Youth Recreation Center. If you're voting this weekend, or if you find out on vote four one one dot org that that happens to be your polling place for Tuesday. And, and I know, yeah, I know a lot of people are tempted not to vote on on non national 
elections and and all that but you know your your local elections your 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 town boards and your county legislators it's it's so important it decides where where your tax money is going and and implications preservation and i'm sorry denise oh no i was saying it's arguably more important because it's absolutely really truly affects (laughs) down to the nitty-gritty absolutely has a much more direct impact on your life, uh, you know, and and your vote counts a lot more because the turnout is way lower. And, you know, living in, like in a national election, living in a state like New York, you know, you got to live in Ohio or Pennsylvania or Michigan or someplace to really matter in a presidential election. But, right. you know, you have a real impact on what happens uh, at the local level. And, you know, people, uh, you know, People need a real kind of, I feel like a real education or re-education about what local government actually does, you know? I don't think they really understand it until there's some really big, awful thing that gets proposed and you find yourself facing these five people who are you like, who are they? You know, we've, we've seen that here in Riverhead with this air cargo proposal and with these yeah. big warehouses that and logistics centers, they're really not warehouses, but, you know, people have come to these meetings and just asked, like, you know, shouted out from their seats, basic questions like, you know, what is this or that? And, you know, you could tell that the elected officials, I mean, this is the world they inhabit right. and they were baffled and really didn't even know how to begin to respond to these people who didn't know very basic things about the town government and, you know, and what it and can course, do and what it can't do, you know, I mean, <laughs> that you know, from a reporter standpoint, that's really disheartening yeah. <laughs> because, you know, well, we make yeah. assumptions when we write stories that, that people know certain things. And, you know, that's probably not a good thing to do. <laughs> well, and not for nothing. After interviewing all the candidates on, on the South Fork over the last couple of weeks, um, couple of them could use some education on what <laughs> local government is able to do and yeah i'm surprised how many people <laughs> seem to run for office that have never actually been to a board meeting exactly yeah i've definitely been baffled by you know even people that are like in power and 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 work for yeah. government understanding like basic functions it's been a it's it's a weird it's a weird time all around it oh and sure i did want to talk, very quickly uh, if you're not able to vote in person you can still get a ballot in person if you go to uh, the Board of Elections at 700 Yapank Avenue in Yapank uh, through through Monday. Uh, and if you want to drop something in the mail. Great. You're listening to Behind the Headlines on WLIW-FM. I'm Bill Sutton from the Express News Group. Uh, my co-host, Annette Hinkle from the Express News Group. Panelists this week, Denise Civiletti from Riverhead Local. Chris Grandjem, Chris Gangemi, excuse me, Chris from the East Hampton Star, and Gianna Volpe from right here on WLIW FM. So, Chris, Adam Potter's at it again in in Sag Harbor. He um, revised his his building proposal this week, and it's um, it's a it's a it's a little different, huh? Yeah, a little. Um, you know, and uh, it's gone through multiple revisions but in august when he um released his plan he had a theater there um which was for 299 seats and would have required 
a good amount of parking. He has now removed that theater and re- reduced the need for parking. And and, and there's those bridge and Rose Streets in Sag Harbor. I'm sorry for yeah, sorry. Right. Going. Talking about assumptions. Um, I'm just assuming that everybody understands well, we, what this we've is talked because about in Sag Harbor, it's oh, quite yeah. quite big news. Yeah. Um, right. Bridge and Rose, he's proposing um a 40, no, 39 unit housing, 19 of which are affordable, plus eleven thousand square feet of retail. So for people who don't know Sag Harbor currently, uh there's a few buildings in that area that are pretty run down looking a little residential with maybe businesses uh on on the lower floors but there's there's not a whole lot happening there it hasn't been happening for for a pretty long time on bridge and rose street so this would be a big deal it'd be a 35 foot building basically rising straight up from the curb and uh with a lot of housing with a a green courtyard in the middle and no more theater so where the theater was is 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 colette uh home and that will be rebuilt uh the land below remediated uh there there's apparently a lot of bad stuff in the uh the land there based uh from past use and uh so mr potter would like to clean that up rebuild that building and it's a pretty big deal yeah and he needs um he, he needs a bunch of variances right from from the village in order to yeah to move you know forward. he needs uh four at least um but i have to say you know he he um is he, he's trying to get closer and closer to not needing those variances it that... feels like it yeah and you know frankly he for a project of this size i can't say that i feel like the variances are are huge i the right. biggest you know uh the there's a, a setback variance that, you, that you're supposed to have, a, and so you're supposed to, have to be 10 feet from basically the, the road. Uh, this building would be less than a foot from the road at the corner of Bay and uh, of Bridge and Rose Street, sorry. And that seems substantial um, to me. Um, you know, if you're walking in there at the corner of this building straight up, just seems incongruous to the area so i i that variance to me seems kind of important there are some other ones about the size of the apartments themselves which seem rather minor frankly because the village just reduced the size of their adus down below 300 square feet so to have a an apartment as he's proposing a 750 something square feet being the smallest isn't really that small when your adus are below 300 square feet so something like that i could see you know, not not being a problem. Parking, I feel like, will be the big issue. I think the well, biggest what? will be septic, won't it? You know, um, he said that he will be hooking it into the village sewer system. Uh, no one in the village has yet commented on that, largely because there's no finalized plan. So, you know, Tom Gardella won't really talk about it. I've asked Aiden about it because Aiden is the like, I guess you'd call him the sewer czar. Uh, he might not like that in uh, in the village, but he does all the the sewage uh, reports at the village board meetings. So I think the plan is that it gets hooked up into the system. And 
And, and do and we he think was that that theater put... was a thinly veiled attempt to get Bay Street Theater to move over there? I mean, coincidentally, 299 seats, which is exactly what the current Bay Street Theater has. I don't know. It just seems like we're not saying it's Bay Street Theater. Like, what was he thinking? We need another 299 seat theater right. in St. Harbor. What happened mm. with the parking thing this summer? Wasn't like the, the gas ball lot, I think, was, a, was, a, was yes. a big issue. Yeah, what is, yeah, what is happening with that? Oh, well, uh, gas ball lot <laughs> is always fun to talk about. I uh, think that on November 16th, it goes to Mr. Potter. So the Public Service Commission awarded the lot to him. So he's in control of it. Uh, well, he was supposed to be in control of it starting September 16th. There was a right. bidding process who was going to win it. He won because he offered them basically more money. Uh, um, they negotiated and, you know, it, it was right at the Harbor Fest weekend, uh, yes. which would have been a nightmare for him to have the lot and close it. They negotiated. They gave the village two more months in October. The village introduced a law to uh, make a parking lot a use in the office district. I mean, this gets really kind of wonky and boring which, which would allow him to run it as a public parking lot right right however in that law they say well you can't charge for it this and that and, and i think that that is not uh something that will go unchallenged because how can you how can the village say to somebody hey you can have this this lot this business but this is how this is how you have to run it yeah so that do, do we think he wanted that lot though for parking for bridge and rose streets for for his development there um was, was he planning on using that for for parking for the development not not to ask you to be in his mind but well i think originally the idea was if the theater was over on uh what water street yeah. um that they were going to use the lot for that and then somehow it morphed into this well, we're going to use the lot for the yes. I mean, the, I guess the answer to your question is yes, that it would be used for this other project. And to Annette's question about whether or not the 299 seat theater was a, a veiled base, I don't know. It always seems suspicious to me. But if you ask them that question directly, the answer was always this has absolutely nothing to do with Bay Street. Yeah, I mean, we all, yeah, we don't really have another theater company wandering around without a home that I know of. <laughs> I mean, you know, one that could use a theater that size, and but I don't know, whatever. Yeah. So um, I I saw in in your your story, um, um, uh, Chris, that uh, you spoke to the mayor, and and while he can't really talk about this project, he did talk a little bit about. Um, um, overdevelopment in in the village yeah i think he'd much rather see something you know he he talks about using perhaps space that the village already is in control of like the emergency building on noyak i think he would like to see something there i i think that he's hopeful that the adu law where they're making it easier for people to you know uh convert structures that already exist into of dwelling units yeah. yeah i think he would much rather see that happen you know he he always stresses that the village is only 2.1 or 2.2 you know square miles it's not very large and to 
I mean, if you think about Potter's first plan, which was 79 units, you know, um, it, it, does that fit? Um, and everybody knows about how impossible it is to get around the village during the, you know, the summer. And can you can you imagine if that that back the backyard of Sag Harbor, so to speak, was was more, you know, full? Yeah. So he asked, and like the other thing is like, you know, Potter bought that property, like you were saying, when the whole idea was to put the theater at the old 7-Eleven property, and he was sort of envisioning a different future. But now he has to figure out how to turn a profit on that. So other than that development, what could he put back there to get his money out of it, do we think? Good question. But if you think about that 7-Eleven building, they bought that, I don't remember for what, maybe 12 or 13 million dollars i think now it's on the market for 20. so i mean you could always just flip it maybe who knows maybe, <laughs> you know? i don't see the buyers lining up to purchase that though do you no you're right and there's i mean in one you know yes, you know it's interesting his credit he's interested in remediating the property at least that's what he said you know and and, and there's um it's it's troubled underneath there apparently there's tons of gross compounds and things i can't pronounce that you don't necessarily want to drink um or swim in like uh, leftover from the gas ball i'm guessing yeah so a- anybody who, you know it's a big project to be taking on and that is a public service to to clear that out and clean it up is a big deal and so yeah how, how do you how do you make that happen i mean there's probably all kinds of grants i don't know but it sounds complicated it's not an easy swap. Yeah, I mean, they already did kind of remediate the gas ball property and like, okay, this is all we can do. We're done. And yeah. I don't know. I remember being in Sag Harbor during that remediation. It was the funkiest petroleum yeah. I've ever smelled in my life. Very yeah. weird. Yeah. Good old gas ball. Yeah. I, you know, good old industrial Sag Harbor's past, right? Simpler times. Yeah. <laughs> we just dumped everything in the ground. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There well, you I, go. I, I guess more will be revealed as this starts to go through. If if this is his his final revision on the plan, if this starts to go through, um, some of the um, you know the village uh, boards and, and committees will will see what happens with it. Something tells me there will always be something dramatic around the corner with it, but uh, that makes our jobs more fun. So, yep. I, I do want to talk about chickens, uh, Denise. So. Riverhead Town is that's uh, a that's a hard turn right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, Riverhead Town is is considering legislation that would ban roosters in in residential properties and regulate chicken coops. Um, and I have to say that you know when I first moved to Riverhead, I guess five or six years ago now, one of my neighbors has has a rooster and. Um, and and it it crows fairly early in the morning and 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 originally you know when I first moved in it was it wasn't waking me up but it was irritating that that early in the morning but now it's it's still crowing I don't hear it anymore yeah you don't hear it anymore right it's just it's just part of part of my neighborhood I I guess but uh, Riverheads had some complaints huh. Well, that's what we've been told, um, and that's what we've been told was the uh, thing that um, inspired the uh, town to draft a uh, code that would ban roosters and um, regulate the um, placement, the number, the placement, the um, maintenance of, construction of coops 
<clears throat> chicken coops and hen houses and pens um, in in the town. And that's gotten a lot of backyard uh, chicken keepers pretty upset. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's something that a lot of people do, not just in Riverhead, but all over the country, really, you know, since the, the pandemic. It's become the egg, the egg inflation, like the inflation, egg inflation and the shortage of eggs. And, you know, and, um, you know, do they have any numbers a lot of, of people upset? Do they have any numbers of how many people have chicken coops no, and, and I, roosters in, in, in Riverhead and Riverhead? No. And I'd like to see how they're going to like, how are they going to enforce this? You know, yeah. you have to clean your coop every day and so have chicken store the, you know, manure in a secure metal container. And well, code, code, code enforcement has their hands full. You know, I know that you like, like a, you know, just, yeah. with their, just with rental permits alone, you know, they're they're working diligently and they've got like, they're, you know, months. I think when you get a, I went to get a, a permit and it was like, they were like, we're like months behind. There's like a three month grace period because they just, they're not able to even come around mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah. And, you know, They've, they've got very few code enforcement. I mean, this is, it seems to me, a virtually unenforceable ordinance. And I think that the potential is real for it to be used against um, individuals on, you know, um, in a very targeted manner, well, like I, I, so I mean, many I mean, other codes. Uh, and, you know, and I uh, feel like I don't know what or who is complaining. I don't know who's complaining about this, but I feel like it's somebody that, you know, I don't know. I don't know. So, so I was going to ask. I mean, obviously, more people are raising chickens after the pandemic, but traditionally, this this has been uh, something that that the 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 Latinx, the Latino community, um, seemed seemed to be the ones raising raising chickens. Um, not not to stereotype, but it felt like there were more more people in that community that 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 were doing that. Is this an an effort to target that community? I, I, that I do not know. I mean, of course, that wasn't mentioned. Uh, to my knowledge, the emergency order in effect in the town has not been amended to reflect anything about chickens or roosters. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, that was a joke. Anyway, like, I, it's, right. I don't know. I don't really know what's behind all of this. And, um, you know, I put the the Coded. I I did an update, well, a follow up story that I posted this morning, and uh, I I po- embedded the, you know, I uploaded the document, the code, the draft of the code, uh, in there because I was told in interviewing people yesterday that when they complained about the prospect of this um, code, they were told by certain elected officials that uh, it didn't contain language that or that it contained language that it doesn't contain like you know oh it doesn't apply to you because you have two acres in your you know on your your house is on two acres mm. there's nothing in the code that says anything like that so i'm glad you did that you know you're you're mentioning before chris about things being wonky and boring but i think this is exactly yeah. what we're talking about when it comes to people not knowing what the basic stuff oh. is and uh, you know uh, that's our job, right? We're, we're letting yeah, people I believe know. in giving people the information that they yeah. need to, you know, understand when they're yeah. being sold a bill of goods anyway. Um, right. But like, you know, I, I'm not sure what's behind this, but uh, as one person I spoke to said, you know, it's just a real overreach. And, you know, 
this is other people, you know, like, well, this is a rural area. You know, yeah, right. they ban roosters in Huntington and you have to have a permit to have them in Brookhaven and, you know, whatever. But like not no other town on the East End has anything like this. And just putting know, it out there, I was in I was in Hawaii last year and they you actually are allowed to shoot the roosters because <laughs> they're everywhere. And like, <laughs> I mean, roosters, I had what well, we used to have chickens and we had a rooster that like chased one of my daughters, you know, around the yard all the time, terrified. Her. I'm laughing. That wasn't funny. But, you know, they can be very aggressive birds for sure. Mm -hmm. But they also um, they serve a purpose um in the flock and you know they serve many purposes in the flock and you know it's just to say you can't have roosters means that you can never have fertilized eggs and you can't you know breed in your backyard flock. Sure that's that's already the, the the law though in southampton maybe east hampton we know I feel like you're not allowed to have roosters here in the east no, there, there's no prohibition against roosters. there's no prohibition no. Yeah, not, really? on the, not on the east end wow that's funny other than we've gotten a rooster so i don't know i mean look there we had a next door neighbor who had a bunch of um guinea hens in a in in a pen in his yard which kind of was like what the purpose of those is for them to roam around the yard and eat bugs but yeah they made a pen and they were extremely noisy yeah, and i wanted to be out you know, <laughs> yeah, my my husband, you know, spoke to the guy, and the guy, you know, took care of it. And they're not doing that anymore. Um, a prior owner of that same house had a donkey that, you know, every evening would would bray, <laughs> and you know, it was it could be. <laughs> can, can, you, can you shoot the donkeys in Hawaii? No, but yeah. <laughs> Yes, oh, you yeah. actually can. They, they shoot donkeys, don't they? Yeah, they you try There's a really good donkey door. scene in uh, Triangle of Sadness, if you guys have seen that movie, where they kill a donkey. Oh. Uh, you know, like you live out, you live in an area like this. We hear the, um, you know, we hear the. Um, you guys have the ass the whisper. And the, the train whistle in the background, you know, it's part of the flavor. Yeah, part, of <clears throat> part of life. Yeah. You know. As, as enjoyable as, as this part of the conversation is, we are out of time. Oh. Um, so we're going to have to end there. Um, I, I wish I could copy been, Doodle Doo for you. But... This is, <laughs> we should, we should uh, put that in. This has been Behind the Headlines. Um, I'm Bill Sutton from the Express News Group. Uh, Annette Hinkle from the Express News Group. Thank you so much to the panelists, Chris Kane Jemmy from East Hampton Star, Gianna Volpe from WLIWFM and Denise Civiletti from Riverhead Local. Uh, great show, guys. Thanks a lot. Mm -hmm.